this out. Hey, everybody, let me get centered. All right, there we are. Very good. It's so great to see you guys tonight. I'm glad that you chose to be here tonight. And I'd love to get started by reading a verse that's not on your handout. Sorry. It may be on a slide behind me. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know a lot of people who need peace right now. You probably know a lot of people who need peace right now. Perhaps you're one of those people. And this unrest, anxiety, this tension, I think it exists for a lot of people, a lot of students, honestly. And we, we struggle with these things, and maybe you're struggling with something right now. And I don't know what to tell somebody in that situation other than that God's peace is available. If the Bible is to be believed, and I think it is, God's peace is available to you right now. God's peace is available to your classmate, your coworker right now. If it's just a matter of knowing it's there and choosing to take hold of it. And something that's incredible as well, God supplies the peace for those things that weigh heavy on your heart right now. But he also gives us more than that. And later in this passage, Philippians 4, later in verse 19 it says, In my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Not only does God supply peace, but he also supplies provision. He supplies answers to prayer. He supplies resources to meet your needs, your relational needs, your financial needs, your academic needs, your internal needs. He can provide peace to feel at rest about that situation and the provision to be able to overcome. And so as we talk about, I want to talk about prayer tonight. And I have to be honest with you, this is not a subject that I feel highly qualified to teach on. (laughs) This is something that as a follower of Christ even, I have struggled with for a lot, of my, a, lot of, a lot of my life. And this comes from a source of desire to be self-sufficient, to prove something, and perhaps you've felt this as well. There might be certain aspects of prayer that are a mystery to you, and they are still a mystery to me. But I want to progress on my journey. I'm on a journey right now in learning about prayer and taking hold of its value to provide me the peace and the provision that I need in every area. And so for the next, whatever, 20 minutes, I just hope that you'll join me on a journey of discovering more about that. I want my prayers to get me in touch with God and the riches that he has at his fingertips. But the reality is, 
of those things, of getting in touch with God and the riches at his fingertips. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You do not have because you do not ask God. And so these are things that we need to get settled as we talk about prayer tonight. And so I hope this is encouraging and insightful in some way to you, ultimately, that God's spirit would work through this. And I also want to address one element here, too. There's probably a certain type of prayer that you are more aware of or more used to in your life. There's kind of the -the on-the-go prayer, right? I don't know about you, but this, this usually takes place on my way to a meeting or on my way to something that I'm kind of unsure about how it's going to go. I'll offer up a quick kind of on-the-go prayer to God saying, hey, I need help, right? Have you ever done this? Have you done this like today or like in the past week? Probably, yeah. It's like, I need help on the test. I need help with this. And these are good things. These are prayers, even these prayers that God wants to answer. But I also want to encourage us toward devoted time of prayer, on-the-go prayers, versus devoted times of prayer where we sit down in where, where Jesus, Jesus will go to a desolate place to pray to his father. And so we can be encouraged to go to a desolate place somewhere where we cannot be reached, somewhere just separate from distractions in order to pray to our father, in order to intercede, in order to Seek the peace and the provision that he wants for, for me and for you and for every person in your life. And so before I move on, let me pray for us for the rest of this evening. Father, we just want to offer ourselves up to you. I want to offer myself up to you as a living sacrifice. Father, you are worthy to be worshipped and you are you have abundant riches available to us, your children. And I pray that you would make those things available, that you would make us aware to the, of those things tonight. And Father, most especially, just use your spirit to speak through whatever I say for the next several minutes. Use your spirit working with your word to touch us in our lives in some way, to speak to us to change our lives in some way, to be more like you and to be prayerful people who experience miracles, who experience abundantly more than we can can ask or imagine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so I have four postures of prayer that I want to talk about tonight. Four postures of prayer that touch a type of prayer that touches the heart of God. And the first of these postures is to pray humbly. Pray humbly. And so this seems, this seems like a good kind of Christian biblical virtue, but I want to obviously like flesh this out a little bit more. I have two dimensions in mind when I think of praying humbly. I'm thinking of reverence and I'm thinking of dependence. Reverence and dependence, where we want to pray humbly in reverence toward God, understanding who I'm talking with. It's God. His ways are far above mine. You're talking with God. His status demands our respect. His status demands his, our humility in this sense. If you're talking to God, 
It's not the same as talking to your friend, though he is close and he is available in an intimate way to us. But there is a reverence in that. We are to approach him humbly. But we are also approach him humbly in dependence upon God, in space dependence upon him. Humility can admit that I'm not enough. And I have a hard time with that a lot of the time. And on, on the subject of dependence, an author writes this, when there is little awareness of real need, there is little real prayer. Some circumstances drive us to our knees, but there are periods when life seems quite manageable. Although Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, this truth hits home more forcefully sometimes than at others. In pride and self-sufficiency, we may, we may live for days as though prayer were needed only when something comes along that's too big for us to handle on our own. Until we see the danger and the foolishness of this attitude, God's expectation for us to pray may seem irrelevant. That's an interesting quote to me. Because I do that. <laughs> In my own pride and self-sufficiency, do you do this? Reserving prayer for moments of desperation. And that's, maybe that's when the on-the-go prayer gets deployed, right? But, but the author describes that attitude as dangerous. He describes it as foolish. Why? Look again at the beginning of that quote. When there is little awareness of real need, there is little real prayer. You and I need to come to grips with our real need. Our real need. We need God for salvation. We need God for satisfaction, for sufficiency. James 1.17 says that every good gift is from above. Everything good in your life, God has granted to you in his grace. God is gracious enough to bless us with good things that we don't even ask for. And so how much more will he do that if you ask him, if you ask him to bless you in that way? And, and then too often, I speak from experience, I am convinced of my own ability to serve God and operate skillfully apart from him. That happens far too often when I wake up in the morning and I think, I've got this. And that's a problem. That's, that's a sin issue in my prideful heart that I need to repent of like immediately as that thought comes to mind. Now in God's word, we see that God answers the prayers of the humble. And in Daniel 10, 12, it says, this is an angel who just comes to the author, Daniel. He says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself, before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come in answer to your prayer. God hears humble prayers. God hears prayers of humble people. And then in another book, an unknown Christian, actually, an anonymous author writes this. He says, we can accomplish far more by our prayers than by our work. Prayer is omnipotent. It can do anything that God can do. When we pray, God works. This is an outlandish claim, right? 
Do you believe that? I have a hard time believing that. We can accomplish more by our prayers than by our work. Once again, a sense of self-sufficiency and desire to get things done on my own, in my pride, leads me to try and question that philosophy, that idea. I don't understand. I don't fully understand how it works, but everything that that person, that that author said is true. Prayer can do anything that God can do, and God can do a lot more than I can. And so the reality is, if you're not humble, you're not going to to pray, right? But if you will humble yourself, and if you will pray humbly, then that will lead you to a next step in, in prayer, in your posture of prayer. And then it's to pray spiritually. Pray spiritually. Now, as we humble ourselves before God and understand that his ways are above ours, we quickly can find out or realize that we're in a lowly state as a result of our sin. We can understand, man, there are things that I have, that I have thought in my heart and done to other people in the past like 24 hours. These are sins that separate me from God. These are things that I have done against God and against other people. And so when we come to God in prayer, we need to repent of those things like as soon as possible so that his power can actually work in our lives. As we humble ourselves, we need to also repent. Repent in order to, in order for God to act on that prayer. Those wrong actions and attitudes and thoughts, they, they block our effectiveness in prayer. Your life is a, a cup or a, some sort of whatever. It holds things, okay? And it holds all the sin that you have done this past week, but if you would come to God and say, Father, I need your forgiveness, then, then all those sins are forgiven. They're dumped. They go, they're separated as far as the east is from their west. Yes? And then, and then we ask God, would you fill me with your spirit? And he'll do that. This is a prayer that he wants to answer, but we must first be emptied, be cleansed of the impurity and the sin that naturally happens in our hearts and in our lives. And so we need to repent. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I think about that whenever I'm in desperate need of God to work in some way. I'm like, man, am I even righteous right now? Do I even have the clout to, to talk to God on this matter? You know, Do I have the righteousness that... That that's going to be powerful and effective as I'm talking to God about this thing. This is a thing I struggle with. But God gives his righteousness freely to us. We cannot become righteous of our own merit. No, we can become righteous by confessing our sins to God and embracing the gift of his righteousness. It says, the Bible says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We have the opportunity to become the righteousness of God, according to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So we can lay hold of that, but we need to confess to him the things that we've, been do, that we've done that separate us, that distance us, that, that fill up that container of our heart with wicked things, just by, by default. 
Now, Romans 8, 26, it says this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There's a lot about this verse that I have not fully come to understand. (laughs) What exactly is this talking about? I have not come to fully understand. But we know that as we are filled with the Spirit in prayer, that he helps us. He helps us in our weakness. We are not powerful in ourselves to pray or to pray the things that God would have us pray. And this is what I mean by praying spiritually. That means a few things. That means that we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray to God the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit. He enables us to do that. That is not something that we do on our own. And then we also pray according to God's truth found in his word. We pray according to God's truth found in his word. We know that the things that he wrote in that book, these are true. And if we would pray those things to God, that these would be true things that, that reflect the heart of God. And then another way that we pray spiritually is to pray with sensitivity to the Spirit's leaning. As I'm praying, I want to be sensitive to, where is God taking me with this? God, how are you leading me in how I am praying and what I am praying for? And in some way, this can seem like a mystical exercise, and in some ways it is, but I encourage you to pray with sensitivity to the Spirit's leaning, leading as we pray in the power of the Spirit and pray according to God's truth found in his word. And then back in that, that book, The Kneeling Christian, it says, when Christ is all in all, right, when he is Savior and Lord and King of our whole being, then it is really he who prays our prayers. Once again, there's a lot here that, to unpack that I can't, really, I can't really understand, honestly. But as we abide in him, we get closer, we, we get better at reflecting the heart of God. And we can pray things that are more in line with what he wants, his will, in the world, through your life. He has things that he wants you to pray for. And if you would pray for them, he would answer it. He wants to put those things on your heart, but we need to pray spiritually and in a way that is ready for those things to come to, 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 come to our mind. Next, we need to pray persistently. Pray persistently. I want to tell you guys a story about this idea, this concept that Jesus told his followers to illustrate this idea. This is in uh, Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. He says, there was a certain judge in a town who he didn't fear, Lord, fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. That's from Luke 18, 1 through 8, if you'd be interested in reading that later. And it tells us right at the beginning, this is a story on the need for people to pray always and not give up. The narrative just tells us right on the front end. And so this helps us understand from a human perspective, an unjust judge, a wicked person even, will relent when somebody continues to pester them to persist in something that they know is right, that they know is just. So how much more, Jesus is saying, how much more would God do that since he is, he created justice. <laughs> he created these, all these different things. And so we need to give that request to him. Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice to those who cry out to him, it says, day and night. And then there's another quote I have here. Sometimes a failure to persist in prayer betrays a lack of seriousness about our request in the first place. At other times, God wants to, us to persist in prayer in order to strengthen our faith in him. Faith would never grow if all prayers were answered immediately. Persistent prayer tends to develop deeper gratitude as well. And so here, this author, he's just naming these different reasons why God might tarry in an old English sense, why God, why God might wait to answer that, pro, that prayer that we might pray to him. But no, he wants to answer these things. If God has put this on your heart, especially the salvation of a f- friend or some other thing in your life, someone's health, then, then pray for that. And, you know, that's praying spiritually. The thing that God has put on your heart as you relate to, as you go closer to the heart of God, pray for that and continue to pray for it in persistence. Isaiah 62, 6 through 7 is an interesting verse on this matter. It says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest. Give God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. This was at a time when they were waiting for the, the establishment, the reestablishment of Jerusalem. And, and much had happened in Israel's history. And this prophet Isaiah is saying, just put it all on the table. Give God no rest. <laughs> Give yourselves no rest. Give God no rest until he establishes Jerusalem, until he does this thing that he has placed on your heart to do. And so... Here we see in this Old Testament example how God wants to bless us with answers as we cry out to him, as we cry out to him. And then finally, George Mueller is a, is a perfect example. He ran an orphanage a long time ago, and he was well-regarded, well-known for his stories of faith and praying in spite of all circumstances looking like they were against him. He led an orphanage of all these different children who were looking to him for sustenance. They were looking to him for food to, to survive. And time and time again, they would have shortages in, in terms of food, in terms of whatever kind of provisions. But George Mueller, he would never, this is crazy, he would never ask another person to provide in this way. He would ask God, he would get on his knees, he'd ask God to provide, and he would provide, be provided in miraculous ways. 
has an autobiography that you could that you could look up, the autobiography of George Mueller that you could read. And that would greatly uh, improve your faith. And he says this, frequently we fail in not continuing in, t- in prayer until the blessing is obtained and in not expecting the blessing. So first, he, has, he says two things. We fail in not continuing in prayer until the blessing is obtained. If there's a thing that God has put on your mind to, to labor over, to agonize over in prayer, we should continue in that prayer until that blessing is obtained. It seems crazy. But this is something that, that came straight from the biography of somebody who, and he, he prayed some crazy prayers in order for God to work through his life in supernatural ways. It was incredible. And then he also says, we fail in not expecting the blessing. And so that actually leads into the fourth and final posture of prayer that touches the heart of God. Pray expectantly. You need to pray expectantly. When I think about praying expectantly, I think about a scene from a movie that is close to my heart. Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back. You know? And so, in this movie, have you, have you seen this movie? Most of us have seen this movie. Feel okay, that's, okay, that's good. Good to see. So, what happens in this movie? So, the main character gets crash lands on this swamp planet. It's a planet made of swamp. And he meets a Jedi Master who's going to teach him all the ways of being a Jedi because there's nobody else to do it. All the other Jedi Masters died. And, he, and, and this is Yoda, is the Jedi Master he finds. It's like baby Yoda, but it's, it's, Yoda, it's normal Yoda. It's a, it's a bigger Yoda. I feel like we're very in touch with Baby Yoda these days, but not so much with the the original the original gangster Yoda the first. And so, so he gets in touch with Yoda, and the, he, Yoda begins training him and in the ways of the Force, which is a, th- a kind of special thing that is in the universe there, where they can kind of pick up objects or do different things, do little mind tricks on people. And Luke's like, "Okay, I gotta go. I gotta help my friends." Thanks for. Sh- Teaching me about the Force, Yoda, and the, there's a problem. His his spaceship is is sunken in the swamp. It's just down there, and Yoda's like, pick it up, get it out of there. You know, use the Force, Luke. You know, and so you know he does the classic thing, right? He kind of puts his hand out there like this, and flexes it like this, and it starts to come out. And we're like, whoa, like Luke, he's the chosen one. This is really awesome. He's really doing it. And then at some point, he strains and strains and tra- strains until he can't do it anymore. And he drops his hand and it lowers back into the, into the swamp. And then Yoda gives him a powerful speech about the force. And Luke's like, he says this. He says, you want the impossible. You want the impossible, Yoda. And he walks away. And then Yoda, who is small in stature, he steps up and he does the same thing. He reaches the arm out and he kind of gets all zen in the face and slowly but surely that starfighter rises out of the swamp and he places it, along with the John Williams score, that would really be helping me right now, places it on dry ground and Luke is like, he's, he can't believe it, he's shocked. He's, he's feeling, you know, he's like, is this real? <laughs> 
And he turns to Yoda and he says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that is why you fail. That is why you fail. You see, <laughs> don't worry, I'm bringing this in, don't worry. See, Yoda, he was able to tap into a power beyond himself because deep within he knew that the force was capable of accomplishing this miraculous event. Luke had this doubt in his heart that said, I don't believe it. I don't believe this could happen. But, but Yoda did. He did believe it. And so it happened. We are bound by what we think is possible. And in so doing, we can bind God's activity in response to prayer. We are bound by what we think is possible. And if we're not careful, we're going to bind God's activity through our life, around our life, in response to our prayers. And then in Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, the author writes, often we do not pray because we doubt that anything will actually happen if we pray. You know, it sounds like a good idea, but ultimately deep down inside, we don't, we don't believe it. We haven't seen that happen yet. This is a hard thing if you haven't really experienced the power of prayer. But God's promises don't fail. And God promises in his word, John 15, verse 7, if you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's crazy. <laughs> it sounds too good to be true. It's hard to believe, if you will, right? But this is what Jesus himself tells us. And now there's some qualifiers here that we can see that, that we can see throughout the other elements of praying spiritually and being, uh, praying humbly. We have to abide in him. And if his words abide in us, his, his truth, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Have you really truly put this scripture to the test? This is a hard, challenging thing to do, but I encourage you to do that tonight. And then George Mueller, once again, he saw, he expected incredible things to happen as a result of his prayers. And guess what? Incredible things happened as a result of George Mueller's prayers. Believers, he says, should not only make everything a subject of prayer, make everything a subject of prayer, but expect answers to their petitions, with which they have asked according to his will, and in the name of the Lord Jesus. In, according to his will and in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so if we are abiding in him and attuned to his will, and if we are seeking his glory above all else and appeal to his glory even, then God will bless that prayer. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ephesians 3, 20-21 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. With that idea in mind, with that scripture in mind,
I want to read this quote from William Carey. He was a missionary to Africa, or not Africa, India. He says, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, and then attempt great things for God. You see, according to that verse we just read, God is, God is able to do immeasurably more than all that you can ask or imagine. So we can expect great things from him. And then God's power is also at work within us, right? Enabling us to attempt great things for God. And all these things are for his glory, right? Ephesians 3, verse 21 says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. All that God wants to do through your life and especially through your prayers is for his glory so that he can be glorified through the incredible works that he does in your life. All that I've said tonight, it can be true can be activated in your life tonight if you are a follower of Christ. And so the question becomes, what happens, what if you're not a follower of Christ right now? There's a really good quote that I have here that helps me to understand this idea. He says this, only a child of God can truly pray to God. Only a son can enter his presence, a child. It is gloriously true that anyone can cry to him for help, anyone, for pardon and mercy. But that, he says, is scarcely prayer. Prayer is much more than that. Prayer is going into the secret place of the Most High and abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Prayer is the result of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. It is communion with God now there can be scarcely be communion between a king and a rebel. What communion hath light with darkness? In ourselves, we have no right to pray. We have access to God only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to truly unlock the dimensions of prayer that I've mentioned, you need to experience the free gift of salvation that he makes available for you tonight. If you've never done this, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, see God, we have this sin problem that separates us from God and we no longer have access to God. We do not have the right to pray or to be near to God. But God sent his son, God the Father sent his son Jesus to live and die and be raised to new life as a man so that anybody can receive that free gift of eternal life. And so if you've ever done that, if you've never said yes to that gift, then this can't be true of you. But if you would choose to make him the Lord of your life, tonight even, then I encourage you, you know, you can, you can indicate that on the connection card later. You can talk with somebody afterward. We can get that squared away. Not only for us to have a glorious inheritance in heaven, but also an abundant life with the riches of what God can supply in your life. Once again, that peace 
that surpasses all understanding and that provision that we can't get anywhere else. And so, once again, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Pray humbly, pray spiritually, pray persistently, pray expectantly, and then and only then will you touch the heart of God, meaningfully changing your life and bringing glory to him. Let me pray for us right now. Father, we just want to acknowledge how much we need you We need you in all things just to come before you and to experience your presence. And so, Father, I pray that you would do wonders in our hearts right now to draw us closer to you, and especially, Lord, to show us the power. This isn't some magic trick that you make real in our lives. No, this is is real power that you've placed in our hands if we would humble ourselves and take hold of you and ask that we could ask for these things to come true. And so I pray, Lord, that you would ignite a fire underneath us to to yearn for that power to be manifest in our lives. And as a result, that each one of us and that this community would, would explode with a discipleship and a love that that transcends all other loves that that we've ever experienced before, Lord. God, make that true in our hearts. Make that true in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.